So remember not the former things. Focus on what God is doing today. Remember God, recall and examine and rejoice in who he is. Remember who you are in relationship to God and remember that he is yours and you are his. These are three foundations upon which renewal and revival rest. And perhaps you're here today and you're just tired of the routine and the duty of religion and showing up to church and it really doesn't make a difference. There's good news. God's kind of tired of that too. Hello, my name is Pastor Doug Dunbar. I'm a pastor here at Gospel Chapel and welcome to Gospel Chapel Online. Whether you've been watching the live stream on Sunday morning or just listening to this podcast, we want to thank you for being here and supporting what we're, what we're doing. Today we're back in the Gospel Project, a three-year through the Bible curriculum that we're covering both in our Sunday school classes and the preaching on Sunday morning. In the end of Luke's Gospel, Jesus meets uh, two disciples on the road to Emmaus and he begins explaining to them from Scripture that everything that was written in the Law, the Prophets, and the Writings were written to point us to him. And everything that he did and everything uh, that he accomplished for us was given throughout Scripture. And so that's what the heart of the Gospel Project is about. Today we're going to be in the book of Isaiah, chapters 43 to 44. And rather than focusing on the idolatry passage, we're focusing today on the fact that God wants to renew his people. And so as you listen today, may that be what happens in your life, that you will find renewal and comfort in Christ. We're going to be in Isaiah chapter 43 to 44 today. It's a, it's a fairly long section. And so I just want to read this and then we'll, and then we'll get into it. I'm going to start in Isaiah chapter 43 and verse 16. I don't have it up on the screen just because it's a lot. Uh, so I just want you to listen to these words of Isaiah. Thus says the Lord who makes a way in the sea and a path in the mighty waters, who brings forth chariot and horse, army and warrior. They lie down, they cannot rise. They are extinguished, quenched like a wick. Remember not the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs forth, do you not perceive it? I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert, the wild beasts will honor me, the jackals, the ostriches, for I give water in the wilderness and rivers in the desert to give drink to my chosen people, the people whom I formed for myself, that they might declare my praise. Yet you did not call upon me, O Jacob, but you have been weary of me, O Israel. You have not brought me your sheep or burnt for burnt offerings or honored me with your sacrifices. I have not burdened you with offerings or wearied you with frankincense. You have not brought me sweet cane with money or satisfied me with the fat of your sacrifices, but you have burdened me with your sins. You have wearied me with your iniquities. I, I am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake and I will not remember your sins. Put me in remembrance. Let us argue together. Set forth your case that you may be proved right. Your first father sinned and your 
Mediators transgressed against me. Therefore, I will profane the princes of this sanctuary and deliver Jacob to utter destruction and Israel to reviling. But now, hear, O Jacob, my servant, Israel, whom I have chosen. Thus says the Lord who made you, who formed you from the womb, and who will help you. Fear not, O Jacob, my servant Jeshurun, whom I have chosen, for I will pour water on the thirsty land and streams on the dry ground. I will pour my spirit upon your offspring and my blessing upon your descendants. They shall spring up among the grass like willows by the flowing streams. This one will say, I am the Lord's. Another will call on the name of Jacob and another will write on his hand, the Lord's, a name and name himself by the name of Israel. Thus says the Lord, the King of Israel, and his Redeemer, the Lord of hosts, I am the first and the last. Besides me there is no God. Who is like me? Let him proclaim it. Let him declare and set it before me, since I appointed an ancient people. Let them declare what is to come and what will happen. Fear not, nor be afraid. Have I not told you from of old and declared it? And you are my witnesses. Is there a God besides me? There is no rock. I know not any. And skip down to verse 21. Remember these things, O Jacob and Israel, for you are my servant. I formed you. You are my servant, O Israel. You will not be forgotten by me. I have blotted out your transgressions like a cloud and your sins like a mist. Return to me, for I have redeemed you. This is the word of the Lord. In the Christian church at this moment, there is a very general desire for revival of religion. You may go where you may among Christian people, and you will find that they are mourning over the present state of things and saying with one another, when will a greater blessing come? How can we obtain it? When shall we make some impression upon the masses of the ungodly? When shall our houses of prayer be filled with attentive hearers? When will the Lord's kingdom come and his right arm be made bare in the eyes of all the people? January 11th, 1874, Charles Spurgeon began the sermon on this text with those words and those questions. How much do they resonate today? Wow. In, in every generation, often multiple times throughout a generation, there comes a time when we, when we wonder with the psalmist, how long, O Lord? How long? And we can exult with the Apostle John at the end of Revelation, come Lord Jesus. There's a longing for change, a longing for renewal, for revival, and the questions posed by Spurgeon and his contemporaries in 1874 resonate with us today. This passage of Isaiah speaks about the renewal to come. Now Isaiah's been speaking to the people ever since the beginning of the book, Isaiah chapter 1, that God is going to come and judge his people because of their hollow, shallow, utilitarian approach to worship. See, they, he's, he's saying they do all the religious stuff, but they don't really enjoy it. It's all duty. It's, 
We go, to the, we go to the temple, we offer the sacrifices, and, and we do all the religious stuff to secure God's favor as a way of duty. So if I do this, God will do that. And, and, and of course, they were now in a moment where Assyria and the northern kingdom of Israel were allied together, and they were coming to attack. And they thought, well, we've done all the religious stuff, so God's going to protect us. We don't have to worry. God's like, really? You control me? You do your religious stuff so that I owe you. It's kind of like a tit-for-tat thing. That's not how it works. And from the start of Isaiah's message, he has told them that this approach to a relationship with him is more offensive than anything else. And what is needed and what will lead to renewal and revival isn't the ongoing routine of religion. It is returning to God remembering who he is and remembering who we are as his people. And that's where renewal starts. And so three things I see in this passage. The key word in this whole passage is the word remember. It crops up again and again. First, remember not the past. Remember not the former things, 43.18. Remember the Lord, secondly, 43.26. And then remember whose you are. Don't remember the past. Remember the Lord. Remember whose you are. Those are the three things we'll look at today. Remember not the former things in 43.18. Isn't that a very odd statement? Look at the two verses before. Thus says the Lord, who makes a way in the sea, a path through the mighty waters, brings forth chariot, horse, army, and warrior, that they lie down and rise not. What's he talking about? A crossing of the Red Sea. Well, now you're telling me to forget that? Actually, yes. Because I did that back then, it doesn't mean I'm doing it now. Don't assume that I am going to rescue you like I did at the Red Sea with Israel and Assyria coming. Don't make assumptions. Don't presume upon the past. First, Isaiah doesn't dwell on this point, so neither should we. He just moves on. Yes, God acted in the past. Yes, his great acts of history are to be celebrated and remembered, but we can't stay, stay there. Everything that God has done in the past has implications for today. God doesn't repeat himself. You can't eat tomorrow's bread today. You can't burn last year's wood this winter. Like just because I cut and split and stacked a whole bunch of wood last winter doesn't mean I get to not do it this year. Doesn't work that way, right? Got to keep going. God doesn't repeat himself. You can't change the past and you can't bring it into the present. You can't control the future all, uh, either. All we have is the present. So let's focus on the here and now realities and your place, our place in God's purposes today. And this is foundational for renewal and revival in any, area, in any era. We must center our attention on what God is doing now at this time, in this place, and among this people, and not get stuck in the past going, oh, if it was only like then. Look for what God is doing today. 
Look for the opportunities he puts in your path every day of the week and discern how he is revealing his nature and will in every life. Interesting, there was a typo here when I wrote this out. I, I meant to write everyday life. But as I read it this morning, it was, look at how God is working in every life. And I thought, oh, that's actually better. <laughs> every life that you meet, look for how God is working today. So remember not the former things. It's the first thing, first command. The second one, Verse 26 of chapter 43. Put me in remembrance. Put me in remembrance. Remember the Lord. It's an imperative and it's in what's called the causative case. Cause me to be remembered. Meditate upon me. Recall me to mind. In the immediate context, it has to do with a public judicial forum. Let's sit down, you and me together, in like a courtroom setting, and let's examine the evidence. Who am I? God is saying, let's just talk about who I am and who you are in relation to me, and let's clear some things up. Now, he's telling the people that their routine of worship has been a burden to him. God reminds them of who he is and that their worship should spring from what he has already done, not what they're trying to do to control him. I am he. Actually, in the Hebrew, it just says, me, me. I, myself, I blot out your transgressions for my own sake. Isn't that interesting? God forgives us for his sake, not ours. And we get a benefit from it, no doubt. But God does this for his own sake. I will remember not your sins. There's that key word again. Remember, what God won't remember is your sins. I'm blotting out your transgressions for my sake. Mercy and grace and favor, even when their worship is all wrong and self-centered. God reminds them of who he is and that their worship should spring out from what he has done. There's several things throughout this passage that we need to remember, which are all foundational for renewal and revival. Just listen to some of them. God chooses his people. God forms his people. God refreshes his people with water. And he speaks literally of that, to give drink to my chosen people. And then he talks about, I will pour out water on a thirsty land. I will pour out my spirit upon your offspring. He renews his people, refreshes them with water and with his spirit. He creates a people for himself. He forgives a people for himself. He redeems a people for himself. Over and over throughout this passage, remember the Lord. Now notice all of these claims of God's mighty acts are what God has already done for his people. These, these are completed actions with ongoing results, with present day realities. And the danger here is that they're presuming on those things. They become lazy and entitled. They think God owes them. But here, 
that are promised that all of these realities of who God is are for now. These are things that God has done and has completed for his people. It's the first mountain of evidence we're called to consider to bring to remembrance all that God has done decisively for us. But does this contradict this first thing? The, the, the first point, don't remember the things of the past. It kind of seems to be intention here. But I think it's just guarding against the danger of presumption. The danger that somehow through our, through our religious routine, we have somehow earned this from God. God starts this all off and he says, it's not because of all your offerings. It's because I blotted out your transgressions. It's because I will remember your sins no more. It is because I have formed you. I have chosen you. I have helped you. That's why. And that's what you need to remember. The second mountain of evidence is the nature of God's character. Throughout this, he says, I have formed you. He is creator. I am, you are my servant. I am your sovereign. He is king. He is redeemer. The kinsman who rescues and sets free and claims family, kinship with us at great cost to himself. He is the eternal and he is the I am. I am he who blots out your transgression. Bring this to mind, who he is. And remember who is serving who in this relationship. There's that reminder over and over too. You are my servant, not the other way around. And here's where this extended narrative that I didn't read that we're actually all familiar with, and actually this was the passage the Gospel Project wanted us to focus on, and I decided to focus on the stuff around it because that puts it in context. The folly of idolatry is that we flip the narrative. Idolatry is I have created a God who will then serve my interests. God says, no, you got it backwards. I am the God who created you and you are my servants for my interests and my purposes to fulfill. And that's the irony that, that it, it's actually a very funny, if you read verses 9 to, to, to 20, it's entertainment. It's kind of satire. It, it's it's tongue-in-cheek in many ways. Idolatry is worshiping that which we create, that which we form, and that is meant to serve us, whereas God says, I have created you, I have formed you, and you serve me. And this is the second foundation of renewal. It's remembering who God is, and that apart from him, there is no savior, no redeemer. Everything else, whether it is made of wood or metal or religious routine, a life of our own making is not able to rise above our sin. We need a savior. We need the Lord. Remember him. And we can look at that extended uh, kind of comedic take on idolatry here and think that it's irrelevant for today because we don't bow to a piece of wood or metal, but are we bowing to a busy life? Are we bowing to sports and entertainment, our bank account, our job? What is it that we're trusting in to bring meaning, fulfillment, and satisfaction in our lives? Reflect on this. What is it that if you lost it, would have you floundering in an identity crisis and wondering if your life had any meaning. That's your idol. And when, what is your career or your family or your sphere of influence doing for you that takes the place of God himself? 
Remember the Lord. Remember the Lord. Bring him to remembrance. And remember not the former things. What is God doing today? The third thing, remember whose you are. Verse 21 to 22 again. Remember these things. So remember back the first time he said, don't remember these things. Don't remember the former things, but remember these things. O Jacob and Israel, for you are my servant. I formed you, you are my servant. O Israel, you will not be forgotten by me. I have blotted out your transgressions like a cloud and your sins like a mist. Return to me, for I have redeemed you. Remember whose you are. Now, interesting, in Hebrew, the word for servant and slavery and the word for worship is the same word. What if we were to think of it that way? Remember these things, O Jacob and Israel, for you are my worshipers. I formed you. You are to worship me. You are worshipers of me. So you will not be forgotten by me. I have blotted out your transgressions like a cloud, your sins like a mist. Return to me, for I have, have. Sometimes the key words are the little ones. I have redeemed you. It's already done. As I thought about this, I thought, why, why is it that when we get to this idea of surrendering our lives to God, it feels more like a threat than a gift? It's like we call people to surrender their lives to God, but it's like, oh, I'm kind of scared to do that. Why? Why are we, why? Well, God might send me to like, I don't know, somewhere in Africa, or God might do this. We always assume that if we turn our lives over to God, he's going to ask us to do something horrible. Where do we get that? I don't know. We need to just get rid of that thinking altogether. Man, this is a gift. We tend to think if we live fully surrendered to God, he'll call us to do stuff we don't want to do. Why is that our default emotional response? God says, put me in remembrance. Really take stock of who he is. We've sung about that all morning. He calls us to remember some very specific things about who we are and whose we are. I have this up on the screen now. Let's, I want us to read this together. This, everybody out loud, read this together. Remember these things, O Jacob and Israel, for you are my servant. I formed you. You are my servant. O Israel, you will not be forgotten by me. I have blotted out your transgressions like a cloud and your sins like a mist. Return to me, for I have redeemed you. Did you personalize that? Remember these things. Put your name in there. For you, singular, are my servant. I am a servant. God formed me. I am his servant. I will not be forgotten by my Lord. 
He has blotted out my transgressions like a cloud and my sins like a mist. And so he calls me to return to him because he has redeemed me. We are his servants, formed for his purposes. We are not forgotten. Our transgressions are blotted out. Our sins are dissipated like a mist in the morning. And he calls us to simply return to him for he has already redeemed us. And he's given us a purpose for our lives. And reading over this whole passage again in 43 to 44, several things God says about his people. We're chosen, we're formed, that we might declare his praises. We are forgiven, we are redeemed, we are a people with a purpose. We are renewed by his spirit. So remember not the former things. Focus on what God is doing today. Remember God, recall and examine and rejoice in who he is. Remember who you are in relationship to God and remember that he is yours and you are his. These are three foundations upon which renewal and revival rest. And perhaps you're here today and you're just tired of the routine and the duty of religion and showing up to church and it really doesn't make a difference. There's good news. God's kind of tired of that too. In fact, he hates it when religion becomes about the things we do rather than about just being with him and enjoying him and walking in the freedom and forgiveness he has already provided. In Matthew 11, Jesus says, are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me, work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Are you tired? Come to Jesus. If you're dry and thirsty, this is one thing. In verse 3 of 44, I will pour out water on the thirsty land. Are you thirsty for the Lord? God longs to provide his spirit and his reign on the parched ground of our spiritual desert. Jesus, on the final and climactic day of the feast in John 7, he took his stand and cried out, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Rivers of living water will brim and spill out of the depths of anyone who believes in me this way, just as the scripture says. Rivers of living water will become a spring in him. I will pour out water on the thirsty land, streams upon the dry ground. I will pour out my spirit. If you're dry and thirsty, come to him. Maybe you feel alone, abandoned, and forgotten. Isaiah 44, 21, God declares, you will not be forgotten by me. John 10, numerous times Jesus says this, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me and I won't lose a one of them. Renewal comes when we remember who God is and who we are in relation to him but there's one requirement, return to me. Not return to the routine, not return to the religion, 
Not re return to a study in doctrine. Return to me. Three words in English, two in Hebrew. It's a short thing. Return means that we have to turn around. We have to move from where we are, the direction we're facing, the things we're trusting in to control our lives and find stability and significance apart from Christ and reorient everything and focus our lives in one direction. Return to me. To me. The Hebrew word here is directional, to or towards. It's a posture. It's where we focus our eyes. And throughout the Old Testament, the call is to keep the Torah, the instruction, the very breathed out word of God central. Do not turn from, to it from the right or to the left. And if you ever go to a, a Jewish synagogue, when they, when they bring out the Torah scroll and the congregation's in the middle and they walk around the entire congregation holding the scroll, you stand up and you do not turn to the right or the left, but you keep it central all the way around. Physically, but we need to do that internally as well. Return to me, turn to me. Everything needs to focus on the Lord himself. Not towards a document, not towards a book, but to Jesus Christ himself. He is the first and the last. And the first and the last thing he says to a guy like Peter is this, follow me. So the questions, when will the greater blessing come? How can we obtain it? What shall we make some impression on the masses of the ungodly? When shall our houses of prayer be filled with attentive hearers? When will the Lord's kingdom come and his right arm be made bare in the eyes of all people? We begin to find the answer as we remember not the things of the past, but we remember the Lord and we remember whose we are and who we are in him. God may have acted marvelously in the past of your life, but what about today? We are formed by him. We are his servants. We are his chosen. He has helped us. He has redeemed us. He has given us his spirit. He remembers us. He forgives us. He makes us whole. He redeems us as a family. Let's pray. Lord, we need to learn how to rest in who you are and what you have done for us. And we need to reflect on that every day. And we need to look around and we need to discern how you are meeting us with today's grace and today's mercy. Your mercies are new every morning. And so, Lord, help us to live in the present. Help us to live in the now and help us to discern where your hand is moving and where your spirit is being poured out on the lives around us and in our own life. Lord, may we return to you. Turn our hearts towards you. Be captured by your presence, who you are. Lord, protect us from presumption, thinking that because we've got the right day figured out or the right book figured out or, or the right doctrine figured out that somehow you're in our debt. 
Lord, help us to live in the freedom, not of being better than others, but of just being loved by you. For you are our good, good Father. That's who you are. And I'm loved by you. And that's who I am. Lord, may everything that we do, everything that we say, be founded, grounded, rooted in your love for us. For it is in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand together. We don't have a closing song today, but the benediction today is Isaiah chapter 12. You will say in that day, I will give thanks to you, O Lord, for though you were angry with me, your anger is turned away that you might comfort me. Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid. For the Lord God is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. With joy you will draw water from the wells of salvation. And you will say in that day, give thanks to the Lord. Call upon his name. Make known his deeds among the peoples. Proclaim that his name is exalted. Sing praises to the Lord for he has done gloriously. Let this be made known in all the earth. Shout and sing for joy, O inhabitant of Zion, for great in your midst is the Holy One of Israel. Amen. God be with you as you go into this week.